0: If you've got your outline or your program, like Julie said, turn to the outline. There's just a few things for us to jot down. It's amazing. We're only going to cover one verse. It's amazing to me, uh, one verse from our study on James, I should say. I've got more than one verse down there. Um, It's amazing to me that James could write this 2,000 years ago, and everything he's written is so applicable to us in 2020. Today we're going to talk about how to have integrity. But before we get started with this verse from James 5.12, I want us to think about a question. The question I want us to think about is what do people who know me think about Christianity? What do people who know me or who know you think? think about Christianity. If we were when I was a teenager they used to say, you may be the only Bible some people ever read. Um, what what would people think about our faith in Christianity based on their relationship with you? If you asked a typical person, man on the street interview, what do you think about Christianity? Do you think they'd say something positive or something negative? Or are we known today for something positive or something negative? Does what we're known for, does it match what Jesus wants us to be known for? Or have we as Christians kind of gotten off course? Have we kind of blended right in with the rest of the world? That's the question I want you to, to think about. Is ask Think about the, the non-believers in your company, in your HOA, in your neighborhood, in your family. If What do they think about the Christian faith based on you, them knowing you? Because the truth is, We are all either a good witness and a good testimony of the loving grace of God, or we're not. We're a bad example. We can be a stepping stone for someone to step into a relationship with their Heavenly Father through His Son Jesus, or we can be a stumbling block. We don't want people to reject Jesus Christ because of the life that we live in front of them. We, we don't want them to have the attitude of, man, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I want nothing to do with his God or their God kind of a thing. So what do people who don't have faith, what do they think about Christianity based on who we are? Ecclesiastes 7.1, wisest man to ever live. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, he also wrote Proverbs, we're going to quote a couple of those today too. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes one. a good reputation is more valuable than the most expensive perfume. What's the most expensive perfume you can think of today? Any of you is that on your shopping list? Do you buy perfume for your sweetheart or your wife, or hopefully they're the same person? Uh, do you do you? Um, what I mean, you go and you look at some of that that perfume, you know, you're like, that whole bottle. Oh, it's a pretty bottle, and you turn it over, and it's like, whoa, sticker shock. It's like, honey, you smell fine just the way you are. I like how you smell. You know God, you don't, you don't, need, you don't need this. And some of you ladies are saying, well, he needs something. And, you know, this Brute 33 isn't cutting it anymore.
1: <laughs> you know?
0: are you all still wearing Brute 33? I hope not. Now, now <laughs> aqua velva, high karate, you know. Look, Old Spice made a comeback. They remarketed themselves. It's cool to wear Old Spice now. I don't know what happened to Brute 33. I don't know how Old Spice became cool. Um, so I, 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 had some fun just for fun. I decided to find out what the most expensive perfume in the world is. So I Googled it. You might want to write this down. I'll give you the website because you may need it. Most expensive perfume in the world is made in Dubai. Of course it is, right? Okay. It comes in a beautiful container, gold, diamond encrusted. $1.3 million. Would you get three liters? I mean, it should last you a while. Can you imagine perfume costing $1.3 million a bottle? I broke it down for you. It's only $13,500 an ounce. Imagine an ounce. How much is it per drop? I don't know. You'll have to... Uh, d- 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 depends on how much you put on, I guess. I'm sure you would use it lavishly if you can afford it. You want everybody to know. Smell you coming. So... Now you know what, you can get your friend who has everything, okay? Just add that to your list. I'm sure Amazon will have it to you here by Friday. (laughs) A good reputation is more valuable than that. God wants us to work on our reputation, particularly our reputation with unbelievers who are in our family, who are in our company, who are on our block, the unbelievers who know you. So how do we do that? What what does God want me to do? What does he want me to be known for? God wants us to be known for our integrity, those of us who follow Christ. Integrity sums up all of the Christ-like qualities that God wants us to exhibit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, Self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit in a Christian's life. God wants our lives to have all of the qualities of Christ, not just in our spiritual life. But he wants that to be in every area of our life. The word integrity comes from the word integrated. That means he wants our faith to be integrated into into our hobbies into our work life, into our social life, into every area of our life. As a whole, our whole life is in agreement in matching up with what Jesus would have in our lives. Now listen, integrity means that our inward character matches our outward conduct. But it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. In fact, it's a little intimidating to stand before you and teach on integrity because I have to admit, you know, I'm not perfect. I have to stand up and talk about our lives must match up with what we say it is, and mine doesn't. So I'm always wondering, you know, is there going to be a lightning bolt like flashing through here? You don't have to be perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Turn to the person beside you and say, you know you're not perfect, right? I know some of you have been waiting all year to say that to your spouse, just Pastor Jerry says you're not perfect, and I agree. Um, Nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. So integrity doesn't mean that we never mess up. Integrity doesn't mean that we never sin. If that was true, then none of us would have integrity. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. We do. Integrity, more than anything else, means we want our lives to be truthful. To be authentic, not to be deceitful, not to be wishy-washy, but that we treat everybody the same like Jesus did. Jesus treated people who were the bum on the street and the rich young ruler the same. He treated, treated people who were religious scholars who came to him in the middle of the night, nick at night. He treated him the same as he did the prostitute. He was a what you see is what you get, and he wants us to treat people the same way, whether it's the queen of England or, or it's the, you know, the, the janitor in your, in your company, that we treat them the same. Now, to live with integrity, especially in this day and age, to live with integrity, especially in American society, in our culture, takes a lot of effort because we are witnessing or we have witnessed the death of truth in our culture. We're witnessing in our society it's everywhere. In fact, there's a lot of people that lead our institutions would challenge the whole idea of truth. They don't even believe that objective truth exists that there are no absolute truths. I love it when people say that there are no absolute truths. I want to say are you absolutely certain? You just said an absolute truth that there are no absolute truths. In fact, people ask, all that, well, what is truth? I told you about that before. Stay away from those, those courses, those philosophy courses. If there's any way you can get around them in college, get around them. Because you'll spend so much time navel-gazing and thinking, is there truth? What is estrangement? And all these crazy questions that just don't matter. People say, I don't even believe that truth exists, and we wonder why our kids are so confused coming up, why they they don't tell the truth, because they don't know what truth is to tell the truth. They don't see it as an example, even in our own lives, enough. Now, they're told, and we're told, well, the only thing that matters is how you feel. If it feels good for you, then it's your truth. Well, it may be true for you, but that's not true for me, or that might be your truth, but not my truth. Or my truth, but not your truth. There is this crisis of an integrity today in our society. You wouldn't even think we would have to have a, a message about it. But God tells us over and over and over again. Remember I told you, anytime God tells us something more than twice, hello, we need to pay attention. There is a shortage of leaders with integrity in our world today. Maybe it's the shortest that it's ever been. Which makes it all the more important that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are different. That we take these simple but not easy steps so that we can be known as a person of integrity. How can I become known as a person of integrity? God wants us to live with so much integrity that the world looks at us and says, You know what? I don't necessarily believe what they believe. I'm not a part of their faith, but I can tell you this. Those Christians, they're honest. Those Christians, they tell the truth. They, When they give you their word, they follow through. They keep their promises. They do whatever they say they'll do. That's how we should be known in this society and in this culture. And that's what we need to be in today's world. For Christians to be known for integrity, you say, okay, Jerry, I want that. I want my life to represent jesus christ truthfully how do i grow in that area well you guys asked the greatest questions i'm so glad you brought that up because i want to give you four ways where we today can leave here and decide i'm going to work on becoming a man or a woman of integrity in my family in my company in my neighborhood in my city in my world and it really doesn't matter how much you've stumbled with this in the past you can make a change that will change your life And the perception that people have of you and probably change your children's lives and your family's lives as well. So the first thing I want you to jot down is if I'm going to become a person of integrity, this is simple, you wouldn't think I need to say it, but let's just start with the truth. I have to be able to speak the truth plainly. Speak the truth plainly. That's with no embellishments, with no exaggerations, with no flowery speech. This is where we start with the text from today. Again, I said we're only going to cover James 5, chapter 12. Let me read it to you. James says this. Now, he's already said a whole lot in the first four chapters. And then he starts with this. He says, above all, circle above all. Above all, my my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Now, let me explain because I saw several of you get nudged or elbowed james when he tells us not to swear he's not talking about cussing so relax he's not talking about profanity or having a potty mouth in this verse i can give you about 13 other verses and we'll save that for another day but you can chill out for now no he's not talking about vulgar uh words or obscenities you shouldn't use those either but for today's message you're okay what he's talking about he's making an oath referencing something else that we don't have integrity we don't have enough integrity in ourselves to keep our own words so we say things like well we have to promise i promise on a stack of bibles i'm telling you the truth or i swear to god is the truth james says we should never say i swear to god the bible says don't do that it's actually taking the the name of the lord in vain when we say i swear to god or i swear on a stack of bibles Or I swear on my mother's grave or whatever. He says, you don't need to do that. He says, you're you're eroding, you're cheapening your own integrity when you add that. He says, we should be a man or a woman of our words. So our yes is just yes. And our no is just no. And everybody knows when he says yes, he's going to follow through. Or when she says no, mom's following through on that. So don't say, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, wherever that came from. Don't use any kind of oath, you don't need it. We're followers of Jesus. Our word should be our bond and our yes, he says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Speak the truth plainly, don't embellish it, don't don't shade it, don't twist it. You know, we live in a day where our leaders, especially politicians and the media, they they spin politics, I mean, they spin everything. You can ask them a yes or no question, and five minutes later, after they've pontificated for, you're saying to your, "What was my question again? Because there was no yes or no there." And they're, they're pros at this. It's a profession to kind of take the truth and make it into something completely different. So James, when he brings this up as the foundation for for all of inte- all integrity to speak the truth plainly. He's not the first person to say this. You know, the book of James is in the back of the Bible. It's almost at the very end. God has not waited till the very end to say, oh, by the way, tell the truth. In fact, it's all the way through the Bible. It's one of the commandments, one of the ten, God's big ten commandments. But not just James says it. Jesus, his half-brother, our Savior, he mentions this in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, you're just a couple pages into the New Testament. And Jesus is saying these exact same things that James has said. That's where James got it from. The Apostle Paul also says the same thing. Three different times God uses the exact same wording. Look at Second Corinthians. Don't take my word for this. Second Corinthians 1, second half of verse 17. It says, am I like the people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? Isn't that the truth? People say yes and they really mean no. As surely as God is true, circle true, I am not that sort of person. My yes means yes, because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, never wavers between yes and no. Now, that's a powerful scripture, that Jesus never wavers between yes and no. Paul says, I want to be counterculture to my culture, and I want to live with integrity. The more people who don't live with integrity, that sets us apart. When nobody else has got integrity, I've got it, Paul says. I don't want to be like unbelievers. He says "And my motivation for this is because I want to be like Jesus, who never wavers between yes or no. So James says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. But Jesus said this exact same thing. Paul says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. But Jesus said this exact same thing, Matthew Chapter 5, verse 34, I want to read it to you straight from the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but I say to you, now this is Jesus talking, but I say to you, do not make vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's own. And do not say by earth, because earth is his footstool. Do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just Say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So people would say, Well, I promise. And they'll say, Well, he says, No, no, no. I promise on heaven. And then someone else would say, Well, I promise on heaven and on earth. And this would say, Well, I promise on heaven and on earth and on Jerusalem. It's just, you know, it's like a a, a couple of fifth graders, you know, just arguing. No offense to the fifth graders. Uh, Just arguing back and forth, trying to one-up each other. He says, just let your yes be yes. Just let your no be no. If you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be a Christ follower, then you have to have integrity. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to speak the truth plainly. Number two, write this down. I've got to share the truth Completely. I share the truth completely. What do you mean by that, Jerry? Well, let me give a definition of lying. Lying is an, intention, an intentional misleading by either falsifying or by concealing. We can lie to people by telling them something that's not true, and we can lie to people by leaving something that's true out of the conversation. We hold back part of the truth. You know how it is. We share half a truth because they don't ask good follow-up questions. So we think, hey, everything I asked me, I told them the truth. Teenagers are pros at this. But see, a half truth can be a whole lie. God says if you want to have integrity, you don't play games like that. You be straightforward and you share the truth, but you share the truth completely. You share 100% of it, not just 90%. Sometimes we share 90%, but we don't want to tell them the other 10. Because it's hard. It's difficult. Look what Proverbs 10.10 10 says. This is Solomon again. Wisest man to ever live. Someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. Anybody want to give a testimony about that? Sometimes when you've, you didn't tell the whole truth, you didn't tell the rest of the story, but when they found out, oh, man, was there trouble? There's a lot of ways that we can hold back the truth. We can do it by saying words that don't mean what we mean. We don't say what we mean. We can hold back the truth by being silent. Not saying anything. God says that creates trouble. Trouble in your relationships. Trouble with resentment. Trouble with mistrust. Those of you who are business owners or you're in management, listen up for just a Just a minute. Because one of the areas that we hesitate to share the whole truth, go that whole 100%, we leave 10% on the table, is in the area of whenever we have to let someone go or lay them off or repurpose them. There's all these words for it. When, when you fire someone, sometimes your tendency is not to just tell them the whole truth of why we're letting you go. Yeah, I know it's about budgets and downsides and all this other thing, but, but the, the real truth might be, but you're late too often. Or you have trouble playing well with others or working well with others or your attitude isn't positive And we count that more. It's way easier to blame it on something else. You know what I've learned after 30 years of leadership? That always backfires. It just doesn't work when I try to shade the truth, protect them from the truth. I, I think really what it is, I'm just too much of a coward to Tell the whole truth. And what I found out is truth often hurts, but dishonesty leaves lasting scars. The truth doesn't leave a lasting scar. It makes for the bad day or a bad conversation. But dishonesty, especially they find out later, can leave a lasting scar. We We don't tell the complete truth. We hold some of that back when someone's let go. Look what it says in Proverbs 28, 23. In the end, circle the phrase in the end. In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. In the end, yeah, it hurts. The truth hurts, but it it doesn't leave the scars. Now, I had to underline that in the end because I want you to realize Speaking the truth is unpleasant at first, and sometimes it doesn't go that great. And it's not like, well, thank you so much for telling me that I failed in this area. But in the end, people appreciate honesty. You know, if I were to pass out a a quiz and say, how many of you agree honesty is the best policy? We would almost all raise our hands. Yes, honesty is the best policy. But in reality, when we're faced with potential conflict with the person sitting across the desk from us, across the table from us, or across the bed from us, when we're faced with that kind of conflict, uh, we're not so sure about this honesty is the best policy thing. We, We believe in the principle of the truth. We just don't believe in the practice of the truth as much. And that can make us a bad witness in the world. So one of the areas, as I said, if you're a businessman, is tell the truth completely. Another area you can apply this, if you're married, is in your marriage. To tell the truth completely. Now, you're saying, Jerry, that's, you know, you're scaring me to death. What do you mean, tell the truth completely? There's going to be a fight. There's going to be argument. There's going to be disagreement. There's going to be all kinds of words. But here's the thing. If you're hiding your true feelings... You're already undermining your marriage. And you need to share the truth completely. Some people can look back. I've got a friend of mine. They were here this morning early. They're in one of my small groups, and both of them um, were married previously. They're on their second marriage, and they say, uh, people ask all the time when we're in small groups or at other Bible studies, you know, what's, what's the key? And they say, well, here's what we learned in our first marriage. We kept things from our spouse and we decided when we came into this marriage that we, they've been married like 20 years now. We're going to tell the truth, the brutal truth, the whole truth, even when it's hard. And I, I, can't, I, I can't implore you enough. If you've been holding some things back, if you've been not telling the whole truth, if you haven't been completely you've got to do that. You've got to get to that spot. Will it be painful? Yes. Will it be helpful? Absolutely. Will it be healing eventually? We have to develop a, a reputation for integrity. To do that, we've got to speak the truth plainly. And we've got to share the truth completely, especially when it's hard. No half-truths. Third thing. I use the truth tactfully. I use the truth tactfully. In other words, I use the truth in love. There is no place in Scripture where God tells us to take His Word and clobber, clobber, clobber people over the head with it. Some of you grew up in religious backgrounds or environments where the Word of God was used as a, as a club by your Ma or your mom or your granddad or your pastor or your Sunday school teacher and they they came down on you. And when you got to be a college or of age you bolted and some of you you spent your 20s or 30s kind of running from god because you, you know you hit with it you get hit in the face with this too many times you just avoid those people in those places now i know you got to, you just did thanksgiving or maybe this is a good year for you you didn't have to do thanksgiving with them but congratulations it's holiday time you're gonna have to have to sit around the table with those people and you're you're already dreading it you know the bible verses are gonna be starting throwing my way listen we're not supposed to use god's word as a club Ever. In fact, um, the reason why we're supposed to use the truth tactfully and use it in love—look what it says, Ephesians 4:15. This is a familiar verse. I've used this verse many times. Speak the, tr- speak the truth in the spirit of love. Th- this is a big one because you, we can all think of someone that we would love for them to change. And you think of someone that you'd love for them to change, they will change easier and quicker if we approach them in love, if we already have a love relationship with them. I told this story in the first service. I was at a conference, a religious conference, I don't know, it must have been 15 years ago, and, and it was all these church leaders. I was one of the youngest ones there 15 years ago. and there was quite a few if you took the, if, you, if you did a color, um, comparison of all the hair in the room Man, there was a lot of gray hair And a few purple hair And there wasn't any punk rockers in there If you know what I mean So Josh McDowell, Bible scholar Wrote, you know So many evidence that demands a verdict And so many other other books He has this microphone And he says, alright, I want to do a quiz And he goes around to the first five people in the front row They should have never been up there And um, he, says, he, he says How many of y'all are grandparents? Raise your hand I'm a grandparent now i got plenty of gray hair he says, all right, raise your hand. And then you come over and he says, if your, grand, if, if, your grand, if your grandchild, you're having a conversation with your grandchild, you're telling them they need to tell the truth. Why do they need to tell the truth? Bible says so. Next. Bible says so. Next. The Bible says so. Next. The Bible says tell the truth. Next. Bible, five people. First five people, it's like they're all cheating off the same paper. Bible says so. The fifth person says Bible says, he says, terrible answer oh, man, the temperature in the room, you could cut the tension. So they asked the next person, why Why should I tell the truth? You know, if you go to a religious thing, Jesus has the answer to every question. So he's like, Jesus says so. He thought he had a terrible answer. And I mean, I thought they're going to start stoning this guy, right? I mean, they're like, who brought this? I mean, if he wasn't a world-famous Christian theologian and apologetics teacher, here's what Here's what Josh McDowell said to all these grandparents. This is 15 years ago. He says, when you say to your grandchild, you need to tell the truth because the Bible says so, you know what they think? Oh, I don't believe that anyway. I don't believe the Bible. So whatever the Bible says doesn't matter. They have a post-Christian mentality. They don't believe the Bible says so. Terrible answer. you you, You might as well be quoting nothing because they've already decided they don't believe this. Tension in there and they're like, well, what we, but the Bible said it's like bad answer now he says now He says i'm not against the bible I thought okay. He might live You know, he might make it out of here alive He says here's what we should be telling them Or we should be telling our grandkids don't tell the truth because the bible tells so. Tell the truth because god is truth God is truth and every time we tell the truth we are like god who is truth and every time we lie We are like the father of lies, the devil. We tell the truth to become more like God, not because the Bible says it. Yeah, does the Bible say it? Sure. But why does the Bible say so? Because God is truth. You say, well, that's just a matter of semantics. No. That's how you you leave this out of your conversation with your grandkids or your kids or your brother-in-law, and you bring it to the reason why. They, they can say well i don 't believe in God well that 's fine you don 't believe in God, but that 's why we tell the truth it 's not because Grandma says so, certainly not because god 's word says so, or even Jesus says so. We tell the truth because we want to be that 's what Paul says. He says, "I let my yes be yes and my no be no, because i 'm a follower of Jesus and that 's how Jesus does it. Truth without love is always seen as an attack. You can be right. You know, the new place to do this is on social media, right? That's where everybody argues theology. Don't you just love this? You know, you got the, the hellfire and brimstone bullhorn Christian guy quoting all these verses of all these people who aren't even don't even believe it, and they're arguing back and forth. And you're thinking, man, I wish you weren't even. I wish you didn't even have Christian on your profile. You're making us all look bad. If you're watching, and you can put all that on Facebook for me, it's okay. We've got to love people in order to tell them the truth. That's why Jesus kept saying, nine times, by the way, nine, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Remember we talked about what what does God tell you more than twice, three times? Oh, my, we better pay attention. Five times. Oh, goodness, we got to get this. Nine times. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. If we don't love, if you're arguing with somebody to be right, if you're arguing with somebody to prove your point, if you're arguing with somebody but it's the truth, but you don't do it in love you're wasting your breath we should focus on loving them first when you love someone enough and they tell you think about who's changed your life with truth you accepted the truth because you knew they loved you even though it was hard i didn't like the truth but i accepted it because she loved me i didn't i didn't like love the truth but i accepted it because he loved me we have to focus on love because when we say don't take my word for this. 1 Corinthians 13, it's a verse I quote all the time at weddings, but it's not just for weddings. It says, if we have not love, we're a loud gong and a clanging cymbal. We're nothing without love. When we try to share truth without love, it's, it's offensive. When you share offensively, offense, offensive, off. If you share offensively, they receive it defense, defensively. Why? Because you just attacked them with the truth. And you're like, well, that's the truth. I'm click off the dust of my feet. That's some people's life verse. Dust of my feet and go my, go my way. Listen, the great commandment is we've got to love people, love the truth. All right, that's a whole other sermon. I could go on and on, and I probably will. Ephesians 4:29 says, let everything you say be good and helpful. Circle good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement. Circle encouragement to those who hear them. So that's how we have to look at this, is how do I know? How do I know if what I'm saying is, is in love, Jerry? Well, is it for their benefit? Is it encouraging to them? Is it, and you say, well, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I don't want to say this hard truth. Exactly. Squeamishly come to that table and share that extra 10% of truth for their benefit yeah, but I'm risking the relationship. They know I love them, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're the guy here who's like, let me tell them the truth. I'll tell them the truth. Please sit down. Okay? We got enough of that. You know, I, you got your club ready. Oh, hit them over the head with the truth. You know, we have enough of that. We need Christians with real integrity that will really love and really share the truth in love. That means if you don't accept the truth, I still love you. I mean, and you know I love you. When the world sees that, it'll be different because nobody else has that. Are they ready to receive it? That's one of the things we have to think through. I'm ready to share the truth, but are they ready to receive it? I would submit that when they lay their head down on the pillow, that's not a good time to have them receive it. Or when they're hangry, they're hungry and angry, or they're in traffic. I'm just giving you examples from my life this week, okay? So... It's not good to bring up a truth when I'm putting my head down, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm stressed out. You know, you may say, "Well, Jerry, they're always tired, hungry, and stressed out, right?" So you have to hold the truth for a few minutes, and you have to wait for that time. Maybe it's a long drive, maybe it's a vacation, maybe you have time to process it. You know, bringing up, like, so like, honey, I've been meaning to tell you this, and that sermon really spoke to me, so. So let me just tell you the truth here. And, you know, the buses, the phone's ringing, the dog's barking, the bus is honking, and the kid's trying to get out the door. Bad time. Proverbs 12:14 says, Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. I can't tell you how many times thoughtless words have come out of my mouth and wounded the very people that are the closest to me. Luckily, there's that other side of the verse that says, But wisely spoken words can heal. All right, last one. Oh, nope, I forgot this fill in. Tact. The solution to my conflict, if you're in conflict with anybody, is tact. We have a choice whether we're going to hurt or heal, a choice to make a point or make an enemy. We have to ask ourselves. I've talked about all that. Proverbs 16, 23, intelligent people think before they speak. Boy, that should be our life verse. Some of us need to hear that verse. God, you should put that in more than once. Oh, he did. Intelligent people think before they speak. And lastly, Ecclesiastes, there's a right time and a right way to do everything. I've already talked to you about that. All right. Number four. I live the truth consistently. Oh my goodness, we all need this one, don't we? I got to live the truth consistently. Oh my goodness, our whole nation needs this. How different would the world look at Christianity if we all lived our lives consistently truthful? I'm not talking about 80% Man, I keep the—I tell the truth 80% of the time, Jerry. I mean, that's like a—is that a that ac a or B? You know, average. It's sort of like faithfulness. How how much faithfulness do you expect of your spouse in your marriage? 90%? 95%? That's an A. You say to your spouse, "You know, honey, I'm gonna be faithful to you all the time, except one day a month." You know how long you've been married? Not very long, because un, I'm only gonna be unfaithful one day a month. Only one, only one 30th. No, because unfa- unfaithful one day is unfaithful. You can't make it up for the other 29 days. We have to be consistently truthful. The Amplified Version of Ephesians 4.15 says, Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. This is that idea of integrity in all areas, my life lives out my faith truthfully in every, in every area of my life. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven three that we only hurt ourselves when we don't live with integrity. It says people who can't be trusted are destroyed by their own dishonesty. We hurt ourselves when we're dishonest. Integrity is a requirement of leadership. In Scripture, in order for you to be a leader, in order for someone to be a, a leader, they had, to, they had to have integrity. Because leadership is based on trust, and we won't trust you as a leader if you tell lies to us. So in order for me to, to be your pastor and have and lead our church, I have to be honest. In order for me to lead my family, in order for you to lead your family and have trust... You have to be honest. You have to tell the truth. You have to have integrity. People must trust their leader. In order to lead your company, you have to tell the truth. If you're a business owner and you teach all your people to lie to your clients, in other words, hey, we're just not going to tell them the truth about that. We're going to lie to our clients. Nobody in that company trusts you because you teach them to lie. Lying's okay. They won't trust you. You teach your kids to lie, oh, it's okay to cheat on your test, it's okay to lie in your taxes, it's okay to, you know, steal the cable TV, whatever. Your kids aren't going to trust you. Why? Because dad's a liar. Oh, only three, only seven, only 12% of the time. The way we get earned trust is we prove we're trustworthy. The way we prove we're trustworthy is we start today by telling the truth. By telling the truth completely, by telling the truth in love, and by living the truth from this day forward. And you can start to repair maybe some mistakes that you've made with your kids, or you've made with your spouse, or you've made with your employees, or you've made it with your boss. All of us can do this. Now, real quick, I just want to tell you, King David was a great example for most of his life. Psalm 78 72 says david shepherded the people with integrity of heart circle integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them this verse tells the two reasons david was a great effective leader character and competence we need both character and competence absolutely needed in leadership because one without the other is a disaster You can be a good person, but an incompetent leader. Oh, he's really nice, but he led us over the cliff. We're all dead. You know, we like him, but we're not going to follow him over that cliff. On the other hand, you can have really great leadership gifts, but if you lie all the time, not going to trust you, not going to follow you. So it says that David had both. He shepherded them. That means he cared for them. The word there is actually pastor. He pastored them with integrity of heart. That's character. And he led them with skillful hands. That's competence. Listen. You want to know what to pray for me as your pastor? Pray for those two things for me. That's what I would like to have, those two qualities in my life. As I lead our church, this pandemic and whatever in the future, I want to lead with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. Let's pray. Ask God in all of our lives to help us to do this. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word that it, it just it convicts us in the areas that we need to improve. I want to thank you that your word... It challenges our motives or we don't we don't want to be a bad reputation for your family The family of god We don't want our name to bring shame to your name And we don't want people to reject you because They reject us so help us to live with integrity And why don't you pray where you're at You're in your home or you're here. Just think these words and say, god help me Help me lord to speak the truth plainly Help me to let my yes be yes and my no be no. To not swear on a stack of Bibles or swear to God or anything else, but let my character be enough that my word is my bond. Make me to be known for that in the future. And say, Lord, help me to share the truth completely. To not do half truths. To have the courage to do the hard part of going the extra 10%. Realizing, yeah, it might be painful. But what's more painful is the scars that deception leaves. Help me to speak the truth in love. Help me to share not only completely but to use the truth tactfully. Forgive me for the times that I have clubbed people with Bible verses. That I haven't been loving. I've been too interested in being right. Help me to be tactful. To look for what their needs are, the person I'm talking to, when works for them. I'm going to only speak the words that will be a benefit to them, that will encourage them. And then, Lord, help me to live with integrity. My whole life speaks and lives truth. That everything I think and everything I act and everything I do. Whether it's on social media or whether it's a business deal or anything else, that I realize that I represent you. And Heavenly Father, I pray for leadership in our world, that you'll raise up leaders in our church, in our government, in our country. Leaders that will be filled with integrity. And I pray that you'll raise up a new generation of leaders, that our kids We'll learn to have integrity, to tell the truth, and to live the truth. Now listen, if you're here and you've never opened your eyes up to Jesus Christ, or you're sitting in your living room and you'd like to invite him into your life, there's no way to have an integrity-filled life without the power of Jesus helping you to do it. So, Why don't you just pray right where you're at? Say, Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all, but I want to become a person of integrity. And I can't do it on my own without you. So you just say, Jesus, please come into my life. I open myself to you. I don't want to be a deceitful person. I want to be a a woman. I want to be a man of integrity. And I want to stand up for the truth. And I want to share it in love. Please accept me into your family and teach me what I need to do next. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.